Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 30. Synergies between public and private entities in the space industry. Today to take a deep dive into this topic we have with us Deepika Jayakodi. Hi Deepika, welcome to the podcast. Hi Omkar, very happy to join you here on this incredible podcast. Thank you very much Deepika. Uh, I mean we have known each other in the industry and I always wanted to have you on the podcast uh, but yeah, I thought it would be better to have a person like you once I have an appreciable amount of audience uh, who will uh take a good perspective from you not only of the space law uh, but of the of the space business as well in the industry uh, so without any delay i would like to first ask you about your journey so how did you end up uh, being in the space industry uh, briefly just tell us about your journey in general okay so uh, my background was uh, in law or is in law um uh, i studied uh, at the uh, tamil nadu ambedkar law university in uh, india after which i was practicing in the madras uh, high court and after my first uh, masters where i specialized in uh, international law i was quite interested in following that up with uh, uh, at least a focus on um, one aspect of a uh, uh, public international law and um while i was contemplating between human rights law and uh, a few other subjects i came across aviation and space law i thought this is quite uh, new uh, and later on i learned it wasn't um so i decided to uh, do that as a learning uh, get a masters in that as a learning exercise and uh, that was my first step into the space industry um after which i worked for about 8 uh, years uh, in the netherlands uh, aerospace and defense company um which gave me the opportunity to to get a grasp uh, of uh, how things work within the space industry and uh, yes i think that's added quite a lot to my uh, knowledge and uh, experience interesting i believe uh, uh, i'm first time it's it's the first time that i having uh, uh, a space law expert i would say at least from an academic side as well even though i mean you work on uh, several ends uh, these days but primarily a person with a space law background it's, uh, it's the first time we are ha- having on the podcast so i mean without any delays i would like to actually take a deep dive into the topic now uh, because primarily we have seen these days public and private entities are collaborating the commercialization has opened up not only in the united states but even in the asian countries too so from your perspective how do public and private entities collaborate in the space industry uh, in general what are the benefits of such synergies and can you even provide some 
successful examples of the same? Sure. Um, if you if you look at how uh, public private partnerships uh, work in the space industry, I mean this is this is the vehicle uh, which is used by a lot of uh, lot in in a lot of collaborations between uh, public and private entities. Um, this can come in different shapes and sizes. Huh? So uh, yes. let's think about an axis where on one end of the spectrum you have a, a public body. So this can be any governmental agency. Uh, or an uh, organization that is uh, procuring either a product, service, or a capability from a private entity. And on the other end of the axis, you have a private entity that owns, operates, and does uh, everything by itself. Um, now, PPPs can uh, be in any form, shape, and color in between these two uh, ends. Um, and you find different combinations in which... Uh, in a public and private entity. And uh, this is a combination of um, uh, designing, building, operating, uh, maintaining, uh, financing, or even commercializing uh, at some point. And uh, you see these different flavors um, utilized in different manners depending on the sort of result they want out of the collaboration, um, the budgets that are available, um, or sometimes even the the nature of the application itself. So so this is how collaborations are set up, and in that sense, it's not it's not different from the sort of uh, uh, PPPs you have for uh, traditional uh, sector. So if you and by traditional sectors, I mean if you look at uh, public infrastructure, where uh, where PPPs are most oftenly uh, are most oftenly used. They focus on uh, optimizing uh, resources, how costs and risks are allocated, how can how can we uh, gain efficiencies and so on. In space specifically, there are a few other layers that um, uh, that come in, which are uh, I wouldn't say industry specific, but they are more uh, useful for the industry. And this could be promoting innovation taking uh, this product service or capability to the market at a, uh, let's say, at a faster speed, um, putting focus on uh, certain expertises um, and maybe even aligning policy goals. Um, so, so there's a lot of learning from each other. There are, there are hard and soft elements. There's a lot of learning from each other. There's looking at the same uh, vision from different perspectives. And I think those are the benefits of having these two stakeholders or maybe even more stakeholders who have different interests coming in together with a shared uh, vision or a shared objective. Interesting. And I mean, you mentioned about uh, the several aspects of the synergies, uh, but I believe when a government agency collaborates uh, with the private sector, uh, along with a lot of perks, of course, there might be some level of frictions as well uh, because the operational capacities of both the sectors are different. So what challenges do public and private sectors face when working together in the space domain and how are they overcome? In terms of challenges, um, I think in retrospect, if we look at a lot of uh, cases, I mean, uh, you'd earlier asked about successful examples. Um, and I think... Uh, I, I struggle a bit with identifying uh, cases that are entirely successful. Um, there are models that work for uh, specific countries. That are there are models that work for uh, specific uh, players, uh, whether they are 
let's say private educational uh, institutions or private commercial institutions and so on. And if you look at uh, some of the more uh, popular uh, partnerships, whether it's the NASA's uh, commercial crew program, uh, the European uh, Space Agency's artist programs, uh, the European uh, Commission's uh, Horizon programs, or even uh, the one with the military touch, the European uh, Defense Fund programs, you can see that they they all have some um, uh, some common elements, but they are also structured differently depending on uh, the kind of uh, parties. So I think if yes. we go back to what sort of challenges uh, uh, do these entities face when they collaborate, I think the first question is asking asking why we need uh, a public-private partnership in the first place. Um, yes. What is the reason we need to come together to have this shared objective and uh, a shared vision? And then the second question would uh, probably be, what is the right model? And then uh, based on the, the examples that I mentioned, I think I think the, there are uh, smart people who are defining, okay, this is the model that we think uh, fit best kind of uh, uh, research or this kind of development or this kind of uh, commercialization in future. Um, so yes. this is this is more the why and how do we do things part. Um, there is another part which is which is more often sidelined when we talk about uh, public-private partnerships or, or, or even more generally uh, when we talk about collaborations because there's no one-size-fits-all um, uh, depending on who the parties are and and uh, how how they are uh, brought together, there is yes. a lot to be done in how we can balance risks, how we can balance control, um, how do we balance the interests of the different people coming in, and I think uh, mm -hmm. this is one of the biggest challenges. So if you uh, from from a lawyer's perspective, I think. Uh, doing the uh, negotiations are probably the toughest part. I think if you say, well, this is this is the result that we need, we will find a way to do it. But but having to balance these interests and finding a way in how we can achieve that, that's that's where the biggest challenge uh, lays. Um, and then, of course, yes. within uh, within the uh, point of uh, interests, we have different things such as okay, we. Are they, are they a user? Are they a developer? Do they want to own things? Um, and as a consortium, uh, do we have uh, um, complementary interests or do we also have conflicting uh, interests uh, that maybe when we sign, uh, when we sign, we don't really uh, pay much attention to, but later on we realize, okay, there's a lot of friction that's coming out of it. So balancing this, this commercial versus science versus governmental all of these interests, that's one of the biggest challenges. And then, of course, you have yes. content-related challenges, which could be um, uh, about uh, IP and data sharing. Um, how, how do we deal with the governance? Who does what? I think those are additional layers that you can uh, build on top of that. Um, yes. Is there a way to overcome this? Um, I think that, that entirely depends on, again, the parties who are uh, sitting around the table how they want to achieve the uh, shared vision, um, whether they want to compromise, whether they want to uh, make a stand or whether they get creative with how they are going to design their collaboration in such a way that they can achieve the goals, making it a win-win for all. 
Interesting. I think you briefly also covered how the public-private synergies drive innovation and technological advancement. So uh, just taking a step further, uh, I mean, this question is primarily more from a strategic perspective of how public-private partnerships should be, you know, given preference. Uh, so given the fact that the space industry is highly under a government control ecosystem, I mean, even though we have a commercialization going on, we see still in Europe especially, uh, the contracts are still, you know, coming out of the European space Agency, and that's how most of the companies actually uh, are able to develop the solutions. So do you believe uh, private space companies need to work on setting their independent narrative strategy to have a fair amount of independent voice in this industry? I think the, the private industry's voice uh, is heard. Uh, it is uh, out there. Um, should it be more or not? I think that depends on the sort of collaboration and who the collaboration is with. Um, okay. Just thinking out loud, if it is a collaboration with, uh, let's say, a military uh, customer, the sort of checks and balances that you have, even though it's a partnership, it might be unbalanced because of the uh, requirements uh, that that we that that the military customer has to put forward because of national security uh, um, and voice would depend on the sort of checks and balances that are being built in. And I yes. think uh, no matter which side of the line you stand, it's important to make note of the voice of the other because um, there is definitely a reason why these parties are entering into a public-private partnership, right? So, of course, yes. the companies are uh, driven by commercial interests uh, the military or uh, any other uh, public body might have their uh, own interest. There is a reason why they come together. Um, and I think uh, this is when we, I, I, I reiterate the point that I said earlier, that there needs to be a proper balance between the sort of interests that are being brought out. Um, if yes. if there is an imbalance, um, I think... I think then there's not much difference between uh, having a, a procurement uh, versus a, a true partnership. So, yes. so I would say, I would say, um, I think having a narrative, having an independent narrative, is necessary. Um, but, but maybe it's it's uh, not something that you always need to have. Yes. Yeah, I agree with this uh, point, actually, as you mentioned. Uh, it depends on, you know, what kind of collaboration is. And as you mentioned about the military space applications, so what role does government policies play in fostering and supporting public-private collaboration, especially in the development of military space applications? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to uh, try answering this with uh, perhaps one uh, example, uh, the yes. European Defence Fund. Um, so this fund was, uh, I think, uh, the discussions on this started somewhere around 2015, 2016, in order to, to create a sort of um, innovative and uh, competitive uh, defence industrial European, uh, uh, UN, uh, the European Union, sorry, um, uh, focuses on its uh, its strategic autonomy um in this sense this fund when it when it was when it is uh, when it was established it had the same issues as it is facing right now i mean the focus on having uh, the european union's uh, strategic autonomy 
is very much valid as it is now, yes. as it was, uh, uh, let's say, uh, five years ago. And um, the public-private collaboration in this instance is quite interesting because it's looking to uh, coordinate uh, the national activities through investments, but also looking at how we could have a product service or capabilities uh, that are interoperable. This might seem like a small thing, but it, it adds so much value uh, to the yes. autonomy that, uh, that they are seeking. And um, here, the fact that it started as a policy, that these were discussions uh, that are now operational, uh, where, where they are going through uh, different processes, I think it's about 8 billion that is spread across uh, uh, from 2021 to 2027. This is this is going to do quite a lot, no matter how small or how big the projects, uh, how um, how effective the consortia are going to be. They are going to learn so much from each other. They are going to draw on uh, each other's uh, strengths and every party is going to have a skin in the game. Um, yes. The impact of this is probably something we will uh, realize maybe uh, five to ten years from now. Nevertheless, I think what started as a policy discussion um, has played a role in, in developing uh, a framework under which uh, universities, uh, industries uh, to collaborate and develop uh, space applications. So, yes. so I think, I think there's, there's a lot that uh, policy uh, can bring along. Interesting. Yeah, we actually had some guests who discussed about the GovSatcom program mm -hmm. uh, but yeah this is the first time we are hearing about uh, European Defense Fund so yeah thanks to you for providing insights on it because GovSatcom program is uh, uh, fairly I mean uh, publicized and, and I mean most of the people know in the industry about it uh, but European Defense Fund uh, it's, it's good that you provided insights on that as well so I mean just a question related to this only because we have seen that the US ecosystem in the space industry they have achieved a fair amount of success in creating a sustainable ecosystem for private uh, space companies through their SBR and SCTR program. Uh, but we still see several other uh, nations are still struggling to, you know, possibly streamline the way U.S. has streamlined their military space ecosystem, uh, uh, both, you know, for the public and private sector participating in the development of a military space application. So what are your thoughts on this issue in general, like how the countries, other countries can streamline the way U.S. has streamlined their military space ecosystem? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I don't I don't have firsthand experience uh, uh, with SB, SBIR uh, or STTR programs. But uh, what I what I do uh, learn from, let's say, podcasts and uh, uh, journals and, and so on is that while they while they have strengthened uh, and fostered uh, a good network, uh, let's say a good network and a good ecosystem, um, uh, which is which is conducive for such uh, public-private partnerships, they also have their own uh, challenges to face. Uh, so just uh, just with the uh, SBIR programs, I think it was earlier this year, maybe maybe sometime around uh, January, when when their tenure had to be extended. Um, there were a lot of voices that raised the question that there were um, uh, serial uh, uh, beneficiaries uh, 
of these uh, grants so yes. so uh, there were uh, there were entities whose whose major business model was uh, getting these uh, grants while they still had poor track records in terms of um, how they commercialize these uh, uh, um, technologies or capabilities or um, you know spinning them out into new companies so but but yes. but what they did in order to address this was to to set new performance uh, benchmarks and to um, and and another element that they were struggling with was also how can they uh, secure uh, certain uh, countries from um, let's say abusing the us system to gain access to let's say us national technologies and so on so they had to build in these security restrictions so what yes. what i like about this is that although the ecosystem and and the way it's implemented although it's not perfect they had a way yes. to uh, to overcome this challenge and in in terms of other uh, countries having to uh, struggle i think i think the context is uh, quite important um yes. for instance i think around again around 2015 2016 if i'm not wrong china released a white paper on um on having public private partnerships in space um yes. uh, russia has historically also engaged in uh, public private partnerships and it's quite interesting to see how um despite them having successful programs or or maybe partial success with uh, with some of these elements they tend to they tend to uh, have their ups and downs um uh, with china i understand it's it's a lot about um uh, let's say how the legal framework is set around having questions on how uh, state owned uh, or state affiliated enterprises have a sort of an unfair advantage over um, uh, over uh, private entities and and i think depending on the co- context of these nations and the sort of uh, results or the shared vision that they are aiming for uh they can uh, they can design their own uh, collaboration uh, frameworks and what what you could see as common components is seeing okay what how can we make this uh, simple for uh, different parties to come in and again i'm yes. i sound like a broken uh, record again how do we balance these interests i think yes. if these two things are uh, settled then um, preparing a governance structure to set up uh, these things um promoting the ecosystem uh, orchestrating how the ecosystem functions those things would come easy um so yes. i think governments need to start thinking uh, like uh, private entities and private entities of course need to start uh, thinking about common interests as well um yes. maybe it's a bit idealistic but uh, perhaps this is what we need in order to streamline collaborations yes as i believe like as you mentioned uh, it really needs to be you know working both ways uh, because at the end of course it impacts the uh, economy the investment and the growth of the nation as well and in general the space industry too so uh, just moving ahead uh, i'm i'm taking up this question more from uh, i would say the kind of security perspective uh, how do public private entities handle intellectual property and data sharing in collaborative space ventures mm-hmm. um this one is is also quite interesting i think again depending on the uh, on the result that is expected and who the user of those results are 
um, the way intellectual uh, property is approached, how it's distributed between uh, the entities, those, those change. Uh, so again, on an axis between having full control to keeping it uh, fully open, uh, there are a lot of flavors that you can, uh, uh, that you can uh, draw in. Uh, just to give you an uh, example, um, uh, the Horizon uh, program uh, within, uh, within Europe had an interesting scheme where the IP can be distributed amongst the parties in such a way mm. that it benefits uh, the most parties. Uh, okay. But there were conditions attached to it. So, so there were conditions like um, uh, research and uh, uh, research and development institutions or scientific institutions that are a part of a consortium. They would have yes. uh, the right to uh, publish the results. Um, yeah. And of course, within the consortium, you have to find a way in which you don't compromise the commercial interests of a of a company where. Where if you publish things, then uh, then perhaps there's not enough value. So so um, in my experience, you would engage in a lot of discussions on okay, to to what level of granularity uh, uh, do we uh, put information outside, or are there elements uh, that can be um, uh, that can be preserved by the uh, consortium um, uh, that can be used for the uh, competitive advantage and so on. And the EU in itself, yeah. they also built in a me mechanism where um, they had to, of course, justify the public spending on these projects. And they said, if a consortium uh, member who, who has rights on certain IP, if they do not use the IP within a certain time duration, they can lose rights yeah. to it. So, so, uh, so it can go back to the, um, uh, the grant-giving uh, organization. And I think... I think this is it's it's quite interesting how how there is enough to yes. uh, to define how IP can be distributed to to allow for uh, these entities with different interests to come together. Um, having said yes. that, on paper this is all great, but in in practice, um, I think it's quite common that everybody thinks about their own interest. Um, yes. And next to that, we tend to look at IP as um, uh, as a black and white element. Either you want it all, or you want to give everything away. Um, okay. uh, but but there's uh, there are quite a lot of things in between uh, these extremes as well, where you can uh, you can uh, consider how you distribute IP in terms of okay, what sort of applications can you have? What sort of applications can I have? Uh, what is the geography within uh, uh, which we can use, or is there a time limit set to the sort of competitive advantage that I can gain uh, before I publish everything out? These are elements that we can we can play around with, and uh, I wish more uh, public-private uh, collaborations made use of uh, such creative IP distribution mechanisms, because this yes. can help resolve uh, the protracted negotiations that you go through. And uh, you don't uh, leave uh, a discussion table feeling that somebody um, somebody got uh, got a better uh, deal than you did. Um, in the yeah. end, uh, I mean, as we uh, as we uh, discussed earlier, uh, there is a shared vision. Uh, we are all in this game together for a reason. So uh, we just need to play around with these mechanisms to see how we can uh, benefit from that. Yes.
Yeah, uh, and I mean, the next question that I'm asking uh, is not, of course, related to uh, intellectual property, uh, but I believe uh, it's a little bit futuristic uh, from this perspective, because uh, as you have mentioned uh, repeatedly in the podcast that, you know, uh, things depend on the kind of ecosystem that is there, the kind of collaborations that are happening uh, through the public-private partnerships. So, uh, but still from your perspective, uh, you know, and as a person who is who has taken a deep dive in the, in, into the space industry for several years now. So looking into the future, what potential breakthroughs and discoveries can we expect uh, from continued synergies between public and private entities in the space industry? I'm, I'm going to disappoint you, Omkar, and then uh, talk a little about IP here as well. <laughs> but <I'll>, uh... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> sure, sure. No worries. <laughs> uh, before, yes. uh, but before I do that, I think I think yeah. as, uh, um, as someone working uh, in the space industry, I think it would be yeah. interesting to see how these uh, public-private collaborations are... Uh, are leveraged for our uh, pressing uh, challenges right now. So whether yes. it is uh, looking at uh, climate monitoring, uh, developing insights that uh, that we can uh, use to to either uh, monitor, uh, evaluate, or maybe even uh, you know take take action on, um, uh, and then maybe also in terms of space situational awareness and space traffic management, even even uh, in orbit servicing. I mean, these yes. are uh, these are three things where we often encounter the question: Okay, is this if it was done purely by private entities, is this economically viable? And if this yes. is done purely by government uh, uh, bodies, um, how can we make sure uh, that uh, that private entities and all the other users uh, take accountability and responsibility uh, on how it is utilized? So I think uh, PPPs will be a great vehicle in terms of um, uh, developing these technologies or or finding uh, solutions together. Not not just not just the technological front, but but just finding solutions uh, uh, together. And on the other side, if I if I zoom out a bit and then uh, look outside of uh, just the, one of the um, special things about our industry is that it it has quite a lot of impact uh, on other industries. Um, yes. uh, it can be used uh, for the benefit of other industries a lot. And uh, again, here, I think public-private partnerships should think about how in the future we can accelerate even existing IPR. So it doesn't always have to be that we, we define things from the scratch. We could also look at what we already have and see how yes. we can come together to, to take it forward uh, in developing a common good. Um, and I think this is something that, uh, uh, that these uh, collaborations can explore a bit more. Uh, again, touching upon the, the climate emergency uh, part, how can we use what we already know so far? How can we leverage this uh, to take action? Uh, I think that is something, uh, it, it would be great to see uh, collaborations uh, on that front. Definitely, yeah. I really hope uh, the industries, uh, even especially the uh, young entrepreneurs who are stepping into the space industry, take a, a lot of insights from this conversation. And especially the last point, as you mentioned, <laughs> at uh, the, I mean, we are at the end of the podcast now. And generally, you know, of course, the podcast is meant for primary the industry people, 
uh, both from space defense and security as well. Uh, but it is also meant for the students uh, who are either uh, right now pursuing the studies or who have just completed the studies and trying to you know get into the space industry, no matter from which uh, walk of life they come from. So the last question I always keep dedicated for the students uh, because an, as an expert, I always feel that uh, even, a, even a minute insight for the career path can possibly change you know, someone's life. So from that perspective, I would like to ask you uh, what suggestions and recommendations would you give to the students who would like to pursue their career in the space industry? This is always a tough one. Um, so I'm going to answer this uh, as I would have answered myself some years ago, and uh, it's, yes. it's still something <laughs> that I uh, still something that I use to check in with myself uh, yes. now and then. Um, I think in the space industry specifically, uh, we tend to look up a lot. We we look at uh, the wonders of space and uh, all the activities that we are doing here. Uh, but sometimes I think we also need to lower our heads uh, a bit and then look around. Um, yes. And by that, what I mean is it's, it's great that uh, so many, so many uh, students and young professionals, they already know exactly what they want to study. Uh, they know this is the career path that I want to take. This is the subject that I want to specialize it and so on. But I, yes. I would suggest that they also make room for learning from uh, people who are not within their own uh, subjects of study um, and learning from industries uh, that are outside of the space industry as well. Um, yes. I think this is, this is what uh, will give you an uh, edge uh, in, in any, any, let's say, an edge or make you special in any room uh, for that instance. Uh, secondly, it's also super interesting when you, when you can connect the dots um, when you can apply what you've learned within the space industry uh, from the perspective of uh, someone or something else outside, I think that's where uh, you can add a lot of value. So I hope I hope uh, more of us do that, and I hope uh, we can all collectively learn from each other uh, through that exercise. Great, great. I mean, the connecting the dots is the very important thing because I believe. Uh, space at the end is not a independent uh, subject like STEM. It's a mm -hmm. multidisciplinary subject. So we really need people from all the backgrounds uh, who who will actually try to come into the industry and you know set uh, set things apart. Uh, you know by bringing their own, I would say, interest and connecting the dots to use the space applications in a more sustainable manner. So yeah, thank you very much, Deepika. Firstly, for giving your precious time, and I hope. The audience takes away a lot of key insights from this conversation because this is the first time we are having uh, a session which is dedicated to public-private partnership. Uh, and I really hope even the industry uh, you know, cherishes this conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Omkar. And I really hope uh, your uh, audience finds this useful. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes. yes. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.